This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Well, I'm very excited to introduce our special guest today, Alan Schnur. Alan, Alan, how are you doing today? Hey, Greg. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you tell, before you tell us what you're actually doing today, if you would, could you tell me what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, it's so easy for me. I'm in my office right now, and I got the coolest office, and I was a guitar player for the longest time, and I thought for sure I was going to be like a rock star. Um, you couldn't tell me any different. I played five, ten hours a day, and uh, um, I'm not the rock star, which we're about to discover, but I did it for a good 15, 20 years of my life. Wow, that's really amazing. And for our listeners, if you want to hear from another rock star, go back a few episodes where we interviewed uh, one of the guitar players for Korn, which was kind of cool. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, now tell me, are there? you said you're in your office, so that tells me there's guitars on the wall somehow. <laughs> There is just guitars and multi-effect processors and amplifiers, and I just think it's, I got the coolest job in the world, and I get to play guitar, and I got a piano in here. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm looking into a beautiful home as well. So uh, everything I ever wanted, plus a private bathroom. Wow, you got to love that. Well, I got to know, what's your, what's your favorite guitar that's on the wall or the coolest one? Tell me about the, oh, yeah. the story behind your favorite guitar. Uh, the story behind my favorite guitar is a Guild electric guitar, and uh, it was given to me when I was 13 years old. My folks made me wait. They uh, they wanted to make sure I was going to stick with it, and I had to play acoustic guitar for a good two years before I got my hands on uh, a twanging machine, and uh, so uh, it meant a lot. And uh, I was off and running, and uh, um, I was really into speed guitar, and it was easier to do that on an electric guitar than an acoustic guitar. Now, at that age, what was your favorite band? Don't mean to date yourself here, but what was uh, your favorite band? <laughs> you're dating me for sure, because I, I was a rock and roller. I was a headbanger. I was ACDC, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, uh, Motorhead, uh, you name it. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's really cool. It's great that uh, you're still playing, and it's great that they're decorating your office walls. I always think that's cool when I walk into a house and there's guitars on the wall. <laughs> that's really cool. Well, tell us, we know you're not a guitarist today, but what do you All actually right. do today? So I am definitely a real estate entrepreneur, and uh, this journey started out around 15, 20 years for me when I started buying single-family houses as a hobby. And uh, I found myself buying one a month for 10 wow. years straight, one a month for a decade. Uh, it wasn't my main focus in life. It was just an idea of, of being able to create enough cash, uh, cash flow and, and passive income so I can pick up the guitar and play a five, 10 hour day and not worried about where I'd have to be because I knew the rents were coming in. So I bought a house, uh, a one, one house for uh, uh, once a month for 10 years straight. So before I knew it, a decade later, I lifted up my head and I said, gee, I have like 150 houses and uh, maybe I can stop working full time, which I did. And uh, I looked around and I said, maybe it's time to start buying apartment buildings since I have some extra time. And that's exactly what I did. I bought, get this, every 90 days for five years straight, 
I bought an apartment complex. So then before I knew it, I had 18 to 20 apartment complexes, 2,000 units, and 400 houses. So wow. I, had a lot of, <laughs> I had a lot of housing. Um, sounds like a lot of money, and it wasn't bad. I wanted more, but it started to take up too much of time. So it actually turned into a job, and I said, well, I need some more time to play guitar. So I decided to sell all the housing, and uh, that took a good few years to sell all the housing. And from there, I found some easier ways of making money in real estate, and that's kind of like with warehousing, storage, and uh, triple net shopping centers, tri- triple net leasing, and that's where I find myself now. So I, um, I got like 100,000 square feet of uh, industrial storage. I have around a half a million square feet of storage space. And uh, more importantly, I have a few dozen shopping centers right now, like a million square feet. And uh, the tenants really pay for everything. When things go wrong, they pay for increases in insurance. They pay for increases in um, the maintenance. They pay for the increases in the taxes. So they're kind of on their own, like a leased car. A person pulls into a, you know, a car dealership, they lease a car for five years, and the dealer never really sees them ever again, maybe once in a while for a maintenance checkup. So it's kind of a more hands-off approach when it comes to real estate, which uh, your listeners should realize there's lots of ways of making money in real estate, and you need to pick the best avenue for you. Decide you know, how hands-on you want to be or how hands-off you want to be. Yeah, yeah, you just gave me a whole lot there. So tell me, take us from the time that you wanted to be a guitarist to buying your first house. Kind of because I know you mentioned you buy one house a month for ten years, and I know some folks it took them ten years to save up for that first house. So how were you able to make that jump? And what was kind of your career path to get into the real estate market the way you did? So you know, young, hobbies when you're young can really develop into some great learning lessons. And for me. The music was the best learning lesson of all, um, just when it comes to, you know, practicing, personal practice, taking time, setting aside, uh, maybe learning a song, and then working with a band. You want to perform, right? So then you have to learn how to work better with people. Um, so you're performing, you're learning, you're practicing, and at the end of the day, it all kind of washes out. I mean, you either know the song or you don't know the song, so there's no cheating. So there's a saying, you can't cheat the music. And all these principles actually carried over in life for me, uh, especially in real estate. So, for example, the first house that I bought, it was only $23,000 and $7,000 to fix it up. And for a high interest rate, there are plenty of people around me in my community to lend me that kind of money, um, use the house as collateral. So they're in first position. They feel safe about the house. So it doesn't necessarily take money to get started in real estate. It's nice if you have it. But, you know, there's something called sweat equity. And sweat equity is when you're the one doing all the heavy lifting, you're the one who finds the property, and you're the one that puts the plan together. So we had a money partner. There's lots of them out there. So that's how I really got involved in the real estate industry. Uh, First house in it for around $30,000. And then I was smart enough to go out and get a bank loan, appraised for around $75,000. And I think the bank lended me basically all my money out of the deal. So I just kept doing that over and over and over again, just kind of moving the money down the line. Right. Now, how old were you when you bought your first house? So when I bought my first house, let me see, it's probably around two, it's probably around 32 years old. 32 okay. years old when I bought the first rental property. Wow. Okay. And so we're just that curious. Where what had you had done up to? What did you do up to that point from a career perspective? And what made you think I need to get into real estate at that point? 
So when I got into, um, right before I got into real estate, I was in New York City. And uh, I know some of your listeners might be too young to remember what happened on uh, September 11th, 2001. Right. But uh, that was the day of the attack of the World Trade Centers. And I actually officed, Greg, on the 101st floor of the World Trade Center, the North Tower. And I was so, so fortunate enough to have left on a business trip September 10th, the day before. Wow. Um, The day before. And that really changed my life. You know, the company that I worked for, we had the top five floors of the World Trade Center. And unfortunately, uh, that day, 700 out of 1,000 people died from the company. And 40 out of 44 on my team. I was away that day. I was in a hotel room for a week by myself. And I really decided to kind of figure out what it was I wanted for my life, what kind of changes I was going to make, what did I just learn from this national tragedy we just went through, how thankful I was for all the first responders and people helping out. And then, of course, uh, I was in a very giving state myself, trying to um, do whatever I could to assist in the situation to make it easier for others. And uh, my whole life just opened up. I kind of just turned over and became a better person, a new person. And uh, I needed to leave New York and head over to Houston because the company that I worked for had a satellite office in Houston. So that's how I kind of got from the East Coast to Houston. And then once I got to Houston, uh, unfortunately, they closed down a few months later, but I had an opportunity to carry the branch myself and create a commodity trading firm. And at the same time, I'll never forget that week I spent by myself, if I could give your listeners some advice. I realized that I needed, one, I needed more than one source of income. I was afraid. I really was afraid because the company that I was working for just got destroyed. And right. I was afraid I didn't have a job anymore. I didn't have any income and just bought a new home. And so um, I decided that I would never be held captive to one single source of income again in my life. So that's exactly uh, some of the changes I made. I got out there and I, ulti- I opened up uh, multiple businesses. One was in the commodity business and another one was in the housing business. And then from there, it flourished into like a dozen different businesses. So I had more or less 12 incomes from different uh, fields coming in all at the same time. Yeah, that's an amazing lesson to take away from such a tragedy like that. So it sounds like your career was in the commodity sector until that point, and then it kind of branched out into, you know, as you said, multiple revenue streams, and housing, real estate became a big part of that? Totally. And I mean, it's... uh, if uh, anyone can relate to what the commodity business or the, I used to work on these pits where people would be yelling and screaming like five and a quarter, five seventy-five, so five and a half, five five. You know, <laughs> so doing this like it was it was, it was so stressful, and uh, there was a lot of financial responsibility. It was exciting, it was fun, uh, but uh, I needed a little more in my life. And like uh, you just said earlier, multiple sources of income is key. Just to, it allows me to take off for three or four months uh, out of the year, go all over the world. Uh, me and my buddies are hiking the seven, the seven peaks, the seven summits of the world. Wow. Um, okay. We just got back from Russia. We did a mountain over there, Mount Elbrus. We were over in uh, Kilimanjaro and Africa and Tanzania, um, base camp on Mount Everest in Nepal. And we're getting ready for our next mountain in uh, Chile right now. Wow, that's insane. That's really cool that you have that type of flexibility and adventurous drive in you. So that's really cool. So what took you from the went managing, you know, hundreds of houses and properties to where you scaled back? Like what was the moment that said, I need to adjust my 
real estate focus to more of the you know uh, commercial real estate and, and warehouse type of uh, properties. Right. So you nailed it. You just said the word scale. And I was having a hard time scaling up my housing business. Um, I was just too involved in it. I could drive to most of my housing, like 95% of it. And I, was, I, was, I found myself in the weeds uh, most of the time taking care of problems. You know, it's a lot of tenants. It's a lot of drama. And um, I just kind of woke up one day and I said, you know what? I had bigger aspirations, bigger hopes. I want to get involved in some de- different uh, avenues of real estate. I, I'm a true believer that, I don't know about you, but every five years or so I get bored with what I'm doing. <laughs> right, right. Right? So I spent a good five years in housing, a good five years in the apartment business, good five years in warehouse and storage, and now I'm three years into a five-year career uh, in shopping centers. So I like to keep it interesting. I like to keep everything moving, I, my attention. You know, I don't know if it's like the shiny object syndrome that we read about, but... I just got to keep it interesting. I'm a pretty curious guy. Yeah, and actually, I, I, this doesn't really relate to your career specifically, but I'm curious. I guess it would. What kind of obstacle or uh, challenge are you seeing with the supermarket you mentioned specifically, retail as it affects to the online retailers such as Amazon? Are you seeing a, an impact to your business? Yeah, in a, in, in a way, I am, but let me explain. Because the shopping center business is revolving, and it's going through a transition there were, you know, there was definitely a, it was overbuilt, um, but I'm not buying like old shopping malls where people go indoors. Um, I'm buying shopping malls where 50 to 100,000 cars uh, pass every day, those outdoor strips on, on good corners. And as far as, uh, you know, I hear, I get questions about Amazon a lot and online sales. Let me tell everybody this. 90% of all retail is still done in brick and mortar in person. 10% of all other retail is done online. And in the 70s and the 80s, we had catalog services that sold a lot of product on, uh, on, through the U.S. mail. So interesting enough, that was around 10% and 90% was still done in the store. Well, it's the same thing today. Uh, 10% is done online and 90% is done in the store. But also, we've gone through this transition with these shopping centers. And what we see really is that you know, maybe you have like a Kmart or some big box going out, but we just come back in with maybe like a go-kart track or a trampoline right. or, um, or a storage facility, or you'll see doctors, uh, optometrists, ER clinics come out of the hospitals and set up in shopping centers. Um, I just did a build-out for a cosmetic dentist. So, oh, wow. you know, it's, it's just a, it's an evolving business. And I was always a true contrarian. I think I got this in the commodity markets. I love to buy low and sell high. And retail shopping centers right now is definitely not a popular topic. But I like the leases. I like the tenants. I like the Starbucks. I like Ross, <laughs> JC. You know, so I like, you know, I like dealing with these tenants. And they've been around for a long time. They've been through some downturns. And they've been through some upturns. So I'm, pre- I'm pretty comfortable with who I'm renting space out to. Yeah, that's really great. And I'm actually old enough to remember the Sears and Roebuck cap- catalog. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm dating myself a little bit there. So, that's all right, well, cool. Yeah, well, what is your typical work week like? My typical work week is, let's see, I, I have a, a beautiful gym in my house, and I have a trainer come three times a week. I'm always getting ready for the next mountain. I um, really only work a few hours a day. I try not to work on Fridays. Or Mondays, I try to take three-day weekends. I do believe in when the ideas come, 
let them flow, get them down on paper, send the text, get it off your plate as fast as possible. I believe in micromanaging other people. Someone could do it better than yourself. Well, make sure you get that person to take care of it so you can free up the space to do what you do best. In doing so, um, my work week is really not that long. I carry the the weight and the responsibility of what I do for a living, but it doesn't take your traditional 40 hours a week. It might just be, um, might just be like, I don't know, 10 to 20 hours a week of physically doing something. And the other 10, 20, 30 hours a week, if, you know, if there's a reason I might be thinking about it, but I'm really good at segmenting uh, my play time, my time for my family away from, um, work itself. And I think all of us aspire to have a work week like that because it seems like you've really <laughs> kind of come across the magic formula right there. Oh my you gosh. know, it does seem like you've figured out a, a great way to stay work and energized and, you know, focus on your business when you need to. It's so important. Uh, if people are resonating with what I'm saying right now, that they, they get some kind of passive income in their house. I'm sorry, passive income in their life. So, you know, the money's coming in when they're sleeping. The money's coming in when they're sick or the money's coming in when they're on vacation. Um, I have a saying, it's in one of my books, The Cash Flow Mindset. If you could do something once, you can do it 10 times. And if you could do it 10 times, you can do it 100 times. Hence, hundreds of houses, thousands of apartment units, and millions of square feet. Because scale, formulas, plan your work, work your plan. I mean, I can get it from my soapbox and keep going. (laughs) That's awesome. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or student, you can search for Podcast by Career Cluster. So, Alan, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a professional heavy rock, metal banging, head banging guitarist. (laughs) (laughs) Harry, Yeah, and what you do today, which apparently you do that in your part-time life or as a hobby. So if you would, looking back on your career, what would you do differently? Ooh, what would I do differently looking back on my career? Uh, I would have worried less. I don't know. I was a big-time worrier in the beginning. Um, I was always a slow starter. Everything I did was a slow start, um, but that's okay. I mean, you got to get a thorough understanding of what you're doing. So I used to get down on myself um, by not being the fastest learner out of the group. But um, tenacity is key. Stick with it even when you think you're getting uh, beaten. And, uh, you know, I I guess some advice. I I actually found myself once working in a factory that I built in Venezuela, uh, in Caracas, Venezuela. And I I should have probably closed it down. I spent two years of my life there. Um, It was clear uh, probably by the end of the first year this business wasn't going to work out. But I just felt like I had to stay in it until the very last dollar. So um, if it really looks bad, uh, get out and move on as fast, you know, as fast as possible. I think there's a saying, if you're going to fail, fail fast, and then move on. Right. No, that's great advice. Well, now let's talk to the students out there. What advice would you give them if they would like to do what you do? So define that as a real estate entrepreneur or however sure. you want. Like I was telling you earlier, I, uh, I totally, I mean, one of my givebacks in life is to mentor, mentor children and uh, I started with my son, who's now 15, but uh, Jake was always very interested in uh, seeing how to get involved in the housing business. So we, we, we actually did a few house flips together, like buy a house for $75,000, fix it for $25,000, and then sell it, um, which I helped him out a lot. But what really happened in the last six months, so exciting, he, um, 
I have a small money lending business. He borrowed money from one of my companies. He found a house using one of my brokers. He hired my contractors. Every Sunday after Hebrew school, we drive out there and go check out the house, and he writes some checks. And um, the house came out beautiful. But what's so exciting now is that he, found, he went back to the broker. They put it on the market, and we just got a contract over the weekend on the house. And if everything goes as planned, which I believe it's going to, he's going to net fifteen to $20,000 on this house flip. And now he has a new goal to have $100,000 in the bank before he's 18. So I think wow. that's an awesome lesson for children and that children can actually do this with some good mentorship, of course. Yeah, that's just incredible. When you told me that before the call, I was just blown away that he's <laughs> that successful at such a young age. Obviously, he's getting some great guidance. I might add, um, I, I'm sure you're going to ask me, but uh, if you go to Alan Schnarr on Facebook, you can see plenty of pictures of Jake's houses and you know, how, how they've uh, it's been coming along. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely will do. Well, now, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? I know you mentioned you've written some books in the past. Sure. Okay, so um, so right now I buy large shopping centers, shopping strips, like with major anchors, and I'm buying a 125,000-square-foot shopping center in Gilbert, Arizona. It's a syndication. It's how I make a living. Part People come in, they take part of the company, or they just become a limited partner. Um, and they share in the cash flows, and I work hard to work on doubling everybody's money. And um, so that's a big part, that's a big deal I'm working on right now. And I have three books out there. The, last, the latest one is The Cash Flow Mindset. It's uh, a bunch of stories like this and my philosophies in life. And you can find that on Amazon or audible.com. And I'm, I'm in the middle of writing my fourth book. So I try oh, wow. to you know, grab a few pages every day, and that doesn't always work out, but I have a few more months here. I promised myself halfway through the year. Wow, that's really impressive that you, uh, you've you not only written three books, but you're about to finish your fourth book. So that's really cool. Yeah, well, okay. Now, if you would, could you tell us what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? Thanks, Greg. I could be found at greatpartners.com. That's G-R-8, the number eight, G-R-8 partners.com. And also alanschnur.com, A-L-A-N-S-C-H-N-U-R.com, where I have a bunch of educational videos up there for free if you want to uh, learn more about real estate. And I always give my phone number because I, I get a lot of texts. 713-503-5908 is the phone number. And I'm on Facebook, A-L-A-N-S-C-H-N-U-R, Alan Schnur. Send me a, a friend invite, and I will definitely uh, – turn you on and uh, answer all your questions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today, Alan. Awesome. I had a great time being with you. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.